up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Monday, August 24th, baby. First big weekend of fantasy football draft season out of the way in the rearview mirror. We're coming up on the biggest. The 29th this year will be National Fantasy Football Draft Day. That's Saturday before Labor Day every year. I love that Saturday. Love that Saturday. Love drafting in home leagues, man. What a good time I had this past weekend. And uh, hopefully you did as well. If you haven't had a draft yet, well, we are going to continue to prep for them. We're not going to shift gears on this podcast until we get to Labor Day. But I tell you, once we do get to Labor Day, we are shifting gears hard into week one mode. We still have about two weeks left before that. So let the draft talk continue. Uh, Got a bunch of news items to get to, notes from around NFL training camp on today's show, so we'll tie a bow on the weekend here. Uh, That is coming up in a few minutes, but of course, I have to tell you about our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Well, you need to go check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com, it is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps. You don't have to play against the Sharks, and that means anyone has a chance of winning, even you. Monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and even esports. And, of course, football coming up soon. Monkey Knife Fight has it all, and you know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? Well, I think you do. It's a free $5 game for you just for signing up. And if you use the promo code RANT, R-A-N-T, you're going to have your first deposit matched instantly up to $50, 50 free bucks right there, baby. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're getting into when you sign up to play. Monkeys and Knives and Fights and Sports, sign up and play today. At monkeyknifefight.com, play to MKF and win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. Seriously, best way to help the pod out right now. If you are in a state where it is available, sign up, play. Football's coming. So it's a lot of fun right there. Uh, let's get into this stuff. Lots of items to get to here. So let's talk first about Kenyon Drake. Uh, did come out today that he was spotted in a walking boot. <laughs> this is one of those things like, man, we didn't even have preseason games and dudes are getting hurt. Well, it does sound like, well, he's downplaying it at least. Uh, Kenyon Drake tweeted, he said he's good on, on Twitter. So I, I don't know, maybe it's precautionary. Regardless, this is all the more reason to be targeting Chase Edmonds in the late rounds. Uh, just in case, I don't think it's going to be anything, but you never, you know, you never really want to hear this sort of thing, uh, at this time of year. So just, just a note on that, Kenyon Drake's very volatile, but I don't have, I mean, Hey, with running back falling off a cliff, I don't have a huge issue with going as early as the late first round with him. I typically, I am looking at him more as an early second round pick, uh, but either way, very volatile, but a lot of upside. We know that out of Kenyon Drake. The other item that that came out just before I hit record here on today's pod is that Mike Reese over at ESPN saying that uh, it's pretty hard to imagine that Cam Newton isn't going to be 
uh, the the quarterback at this point in New England. That's pretty much what we expected. Now, it isn't necessarily that he blew away the competition. It's the competition handed him the job. Jared Stidham, yeah, he pretty much did Jared Stidham things. So Cam is going to be under center. And here's the thing about Cam Newton. There's a high ceiling. We know that. He is also a love to hate. And I had this dude on Twitter. I, I brought up the love to hate thing. If you don't know that, there are certain players that fantasy folks just love to hate. Cam Newton is one of those guys. And, of course, he has a polarizing personality. I get it. But on the field... The dude has put up some major numbers. And the rebuttal on Twitter that I received was, oh, he hasn't been relevant. He hasn't been elite for years. Well, he kind of was. You know, he was elite in 2018. Through the first 12 weeks of the season, he was the number three fantasy quarterback. He had a stretch. It was over two months where every single game was at least two passing scores. So not only like the normal high ceiling that you can get out of camp, but a pretty darn good floor. Now, of course, he was hurt. He was hurt the whole season. Now we know that from uh, All or Nothing that covered the Panthers that year. And he eventually had to shut it down. But he played through all that. It's just, but it doesn't even matter because if I argue, there's always a rebuttal because this person obviously loves to hate Cam Newton. It is what it is. We can use that to our advantage and take Cam later than he should go uh, especially in one quarterback leagues later than he should go. I mean, that's really what it boils down to right there. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, one thing that I, I did tweet out on Saturday, I said, don't hold grudges in fantasy football. And that love to hate mentality is essentially people holding grudges. You know, if we hold grudge, hey, I don't think you should hold grudges in general. Not healthy. <laughs> it's not healthy. But especially for fantasy football, that's just a, it's a losing mindset. It's a losing mindset. You know, ultimately you have to understand uh, why you have a take on a person. And is if that take is sort of like emotionally driven, oh, he screwed my team over in whatever year. Well, is it valid to have that this year? You know, a lot of people, I, I won't draft Odell Beckham Jr. again. Not doing that again. But what if he's there in the fourth round? We're going to pass on this dude? In this range, just because he he scorned your team. He, he actually specifically did it to you, <laughs> Joe Podcast listener. He did it to you. Nobody else. <laughs> I mean, it, it does sound silly when we put it that way, right? He didn't really screw your team over. He uh, team was not The team was a dumpster fire last year in Cleveland, and I don't think it's going to be this year. Now, there's not going to be as much meat on the bone for passing purposes, but I still think a nice little bounce back is is due here and we've had a lot of people a lot of players in the past who've you know fallen too far after a, a down season where we're not really accounting for favorable regression positive upward regression to the mean remember regression doesn't mean getting worse just simply means moving to the mean and when you have an outlier season uh, you can go up, you can go down, depending on what side of the the mean you are on. So anyway, that's where we are with Cam Newton. Lots of running back notes. <laughs> Brett Veach just throwing gasoline on the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fire and said, and Brett Veach, the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, said he's on pace to have a big year to be our primary ball carrier. So yeah, moral of the story, if you're in a league where you, you know it's a regular redraft league, no keepers, nada, Clyde Edwards-Alera is probably going to go pick five. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. 
Because I can't see him going ahead of, of Kamara or Zeke, and certainly he's not going to go ahead of the first two. But yeah, he's probably going to go pick five. So there you go. If he's going to be the primary ball carrier, he's a superior player to what Kareem Hunt was when he came into the league. Yeah. I'm not willing to go that far just yet, but I do have him still, you know, I actually moved him up in my first round. Uh, I think I'd be comfortable as early as seven. I'd love to get him at eight. It's not, neither one's really going to happen. That's the, that's the part that, that gets me every time. I'm not going to get him at either. So yeah, I can throw it out there, but he's going to go at five. That's that's where we are right now with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, Daryl Henderson, mild hamstring. Tis the season of hammy injuries. Uh, mild hamstring injury. Uh, the team is hoping to get him back for week one. Now, when I hear hope, that means this is a two to four week absence. And boy, oh boy, does that keep the door open for Cam Akers. Really like Cam Akers. I've talked about it numerous times. I think he's in a great spot to produce immediately. And he is a sneaky six-round pick. That's. I think his ADP is going to stick even with this information. How about Josh Jacobs? So, John Gruden. John Gruden gave us a little, little Josh Jacobs about this guy right here. Told us a little bit about Josh Jacobs. I know my Gruden impersonation is terrible. You don't have to tell me. Most of my impersonations are terrible. That's the point. Maybe my James Hetfield. That's probably that's that's my hooah yeah yeah. That's all I got. Anyway, terrible. <laughs> Josh Jacobs though. Gruden said he plans to get him more on the field on third down. Then the team proceeded to sign Theo Riddick. There is a point where these things need to match up really for us to believe it, right? And there's been a lot of talk about Jacobs in the passing in the passing game. But what does the team have? Okay, well, they have uh, Jalen Richard in-house. Okay, check. They drafted Lynn Bowden, who's not really a running back, but he's not a wide receiver either. He's a tweener who is going to take snaps out of the backfield. And... They just signed the quintessential passing down back in Theo Riddick. Now, Vic Tafor, who's on the beat there, said it's a depth move. But seriously, if you really are trying to get him on the field on third down, why do you bring in all these passing down backs? Notice, they, they haven't brought in early down guys. They haven't brought in early down guys. Now, typically, when what the coach says and what the organization does or what the general manager says and what the organization does do not match, I always believe what the organization is doing, not what they're saying. What they're doing is not telling the story that they're confident in Josh Jacobs on passing downs. Just saying. So don't hold your breath there. Now, I love Jacobs, and I love the floor that he has. I just don't expect much more work in the passing game. Let's be clear on that one. Speaking of no work in the passing game, A.J. Dillon, don't expect much there for him, but also the Packers beat writers saying that um, we shouldn't expect much early on. Uh, no surprise there. No surprise there. Uh, by the way, people seem to have forgotten this. Jamal Williams is the number two. It's not A.J. Dillon. So, yes, there's a lot to like about A.J. Dillon, but it's going to take some time. If you do draft him, just be prepared. You know, September is not going to look pretty. That's fine. Keep him on your bench. It's not going to look pretty. Damian Harris might be on your bench. And he continues to impress. Uh, This is a kid who was impressive at Alabama, which is certainly saying something because it's hard to be impressive when everybody else on your team is also a rock star. And he was impressive there. But the question that I have is Ivan Fierce, who's the running backs coach in New England, 
he thinks that Sony Michelle is going to be ready for week one. So if Sony Michelle is there, is this a scenario where Harris can get past him? Is this a scenario where Harris now becomes the new Rex Burkhead? Is this a scenario where we don't really know what their roles are going to be? Because it's hard to believe that they wouldn't use Sony as they've used him all along. So I don't want to go overboard with Damian Harris. He's still a late round guy. Don't want to go any higher than that. Joshua Kelly, another rookie who is intriguing here. This class is pretty deep. You know, already talked about AJ Dillon, but uh, so many, so many intriguing names here, no doubt about it. But Joshua Kelly is definitely one of those guys. We do not know if he's going to be the number two. I've actually come to the point where I had to make this decision over the weekend. There was a point where I looked at Justin Jackson and I honestly just outright passed on it because I am so uncertain as to how this is going to play out. I wish I could tell you. I mean, hey, you know me. I will tell you when I know something. I don't know. I, I really don't know. There's a few things this year heading into the season. I have literally no clue. This, like who's going to win this number two job? Because it's really close. Uh, is Drew Locke going to be good or is he going to be terrible or is he going to be in between? I, I, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. I wish I knew. I wish I was confident on that one. I, I'm not. And I'm not going to blow smoke up your rear end. And in this instance, honestly, I don't know. But I will tell you this. Whoever gets that job is really interesting. Because Austin Eckler's not going to carry the ball much more than 150 times. So that means there could be 200 carries on, on the table for this number two running back. As long as Terod Taylor doesn't last very long as the starter. They, they turn the keys over to Justin Herbert relatively early. Because more, more uh, Terod Taylor means fewer carries available, uh, ultimately. for and, and, and really, I think a pretty sl- a slower-paced team, I just don't think that that bodes well for that uh, number two back. But once Herbert's there, that, that's a, there's a lot of carries available. Uh, more momentum for Bryce Love, as if he needed it. Uh, Ron Rivera, which, you know, obviously positive vibes going out to Ron Rivera right now, but um, he said he could be an every down back, Bryce Love. Now, again, this is a late round guy. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but just love when that all starts to come into place for uh, for Bryce Love. He's a very intriguing, deeper name. Uh, by the way, Lamar Jackson returned to practice today, missed a couple practices with a hammy tweak. No, no worries there. But I do have a little bit of pump the brakes for J.K. Dobbins because we we did hear from the Athletic that Greg Greg Roman is essentially saying that it could be a week to week to week thing in terms of who gets the carries behind Mark Ingram and the other who is is really Gus Edwards here so just be careful with J.K. Dobbins probably draft him in the seventh round in regular drafts twelve teamers. If you draft him there, just be prepared. You know, you may not be able to use him. It may be streaky. You may get a really big game out of him, and the next week he disappears. There could be a lot of things to play out, so just be prepared for that. Uh, be prepared for <laughs> CeeDee Lamb, baby. <laughs> I don't I don't know how this is going to unfold. That's another one where I wish I could tell you, CeeDee Lamb is going to be the number two by week six. You know, I, I can't tell you that because there's a lot of positive talk about Michael Gallup. And Amari Cooper is still the number one, but CeeDee Lamb is developing a connection with Dak Prescott. I will say this right now, that offense is scary good. You have, you have a quarterback who can sling it. You have three really good wide receivers. You have an up-and-coming tight end in Blake Jarwin. You have one of the highest floor running backs in the league in Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not the electric upside of Christian McCaffrey, but 
he, you know, he does what you need him to do in that offense. And you have a high upside backup in Tony Pollard, by the way. That's a scary good offense. If they could put this together, the Cowboys can make a legit Super Bowl run this year. That's a good team on paper. Of course, good teams on paper in August don't always end up being good good teams, you know, as we get into January, but we'll, we'll see. Either way, I still like getting a piece of that passing game if I can. I CD is the cheapest piece, so I tend to find myself getting him more than I'm getting Amari Cooper, who goes just a tick higher than I'm willing to take him, and same thing with Michael Gallup, but good that they are developing uh, some chemistry. KJ Hamler looks like he's going to be out for uh, four weeks total, so that'll spill into the season. The rookie in Denver, very fast, but this seems to be a thing with him. Seems to be getting hurt a lot. He was hurt during the combine as well. So let's hope maybe he can get past this, get on the field, and show us what he's got. Uh, his presence more than anything will help the offense. It won't be He won't be a viable fantasy guy, but it will help uh, having his speed and his playmaking ability on the field along with Sutton, along with Jerry Judy. Could, and it could help Drew Locke, but we don't know. Uh, anyway, moving over to tight end, Najoku, the Joker, is still dealing with that wrist injury. Remember, he missed a, a good chunk of last year with the wrist fracture. And this is just, you know, this is one of those things where there's a lot of signs pointing towards Austin Hooper and maybe me personally being a little too low on him. Uh, Najoku was getting outplayed earlier in the preseason by Harrison Bryant, who Harrison Bryant's a nice player. Let's not, that's not anything to just simply say, oh, he was getting outplayed by a rookie. Well, yeah, Harrison Bryant's a pretty good rookie. That was a deal they got on Harrison Bryant in the fourth round. Um, unproven, you know, you know, smaller school guy, but wouldn't surprise me if in a couple of years we're talking about Harrison Bryant as a fantasy option. Anyway, not this year. I was probably too low on Austin Hooper, so I had to move him up in terms of my projections. So working on, uh, that was what I was doing earlier today, in fact, a little uh, projections update for uh, this key week for fantasy football purposes. And when I look at Austin Hooper, you know, I had to to reduce the target shares I was given to David Njoku, and that was really the big barrier for me was, you know, Najoku getting a good chunk of that work. If we reduce it a little bit, Austin Hooper slides right into that Hayden Hurst area, like tight end 11. And I actually don't mind taking Hooper ahead of Hurst, even though I don't think I have to in a lot of drafts. I think that Hooper slides in this in this uh, sort of no man's land of tight end roundabout round nine. And it, it gives you an extra round to wait you know, where I was saying, you know, typically I'm looking at round eight for that Evan Ingram, Higby, uh, Henry tier, if any of them are left. Now I have an extra round in case I miss on those guys, and I still like those guys, but now I could possibly go with Austin Hooper in the ninth. Don't mind it. Really don't mind it. Hayden Hurst, by the way, an every down guy, let's be clear on what an every down guy means. Uh, at tight end, it really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> For fantasy purposes, um, for example, O.J. Howard is an every down guy, but it's not like we're going to go after him for fantasy purposes. Uh, this is it's just it, it shows the team is confident in Hayden Hurst, but it's not something where we're going to say, oh, well, then we absolutely, you know, th- that's great for fantasy. As long as he's out there in passing plays, he's going to be just fine. And and I think that he's, you know, he gives you 85 to 90 percent of what Austin Hooper was 
the last two years, which is pretty much a back-end tight end one, which is pretty solid there with Hayden Hurst. One more tight end note before we get out of here. Dallas Goddard, hairline fracture in one of his thumbs. Not the worst thing, though. I'm not overly concerned about this. I'll just give you a word of the wise. I did draft Dallas Goddard this weekend, which is something I said I was going to do, but don't draft him as your first tight end or your only tight end. I guess that's probably the way to put it. You definitely want another tight end out there for you because you don't want the number two on his team to be your starter, to be your lone guy. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to like him. And ultimately, he could he could outplay uh, my expectations at tight end 15 for him pretty easily, but I don't want to go in banking on that. Like the Eagles could sustain two top 10 fantasy tight ends, no doubt about it. But I don't want to go in banking on that just because it is really hard for a team to do that. So that's why I want to pair him up with somebody else. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. It's not a bad strategy right there. Hey, I appreciate everybody helping out with the podcast, by the way. If you haven't reviewed it already, I greatly appreciate it if you did go and review the show on iTunes. Uh, Really simple, easy to do. Especially if you have an iPhone, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, go to my podcast, The Rant, scroll down, click the stars, and you're done. Anywhere else, you can review it as well. We'll take the, we'll take any reviews we could get, baby. That helps the podcast out. A lot of people also helping out over at FTNFantasy.com. If you haven't get, gotten in already, well, that's all where all my content is right now. So go check that out, FTNFantasy.com. Go for the whole shebang, the platinum package. You get everything. You get access to everything. Uh, That is the way to go right there, ftnfantasy.com. Otherwise, you can follow me on social media, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. All right, I'll catch you tomorrow for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.